0: Hello there friends, this is Spencer Michaud and welcome to your weekly Astrology Forecast for the week of September 7th through September the 13th. Uh, This week we will see the Sun trine a retrograde Jupiter at 17 degrees of Virgo and Capricorn on Wednesday the 9th. Also on that day, Mars stations retrograde at 28 degrees of Aries through November the 13th of this year where it will station direct at 15 degrees of Aries. Um, Within that time frame, we will see a square to Saturn on the 29th of September. So the the energy that we've been experiencing with the Mars-Saturn square uh, is here for quite some time. So buckle up and uh, get ready to Saturn up a little bit. Uh, Thursday the 10th, the moon will be making a last quarter square to the sun from 18 degrees of Gemini to 18 degrees of Virgo. We'll break that down in our weekly forecast here today and then on friday the 11th uh, the sun will be making an opposition to a retrograde neptune at 19 degrees of virgo and pisces respectively echoing some of the themes that we were talking about at our full moon cycle last week uh, mercury will be conjoining the fixed star diadem at nine degrees of libra on friday as well uh, diadem is a fixed star uh, that It speaks about the sacrifice of the hair of the wife of the Egyptian pharaoh uh, for his safe return um, from battle. So we'll break that down. Uh, On Saturday the 12th, Mercury is going to move into the second decan of Libra. We'll talk about the three of swords. Uh, Also on Saturday the 12th, Jupiter stations direct at 17 degrees of Capricorn, so we'll We'll see what uh, the greater benefic has in store for us, and it's still in its fall, but um, improving its condition by moving direct. Uh, the sun will move into the third decan of Virgo on Saturday. Uh, we'll talk about the 10 of pentacles, and then Mercury will be conjoining the fixed star Vindemiatrix at 10 degrees of Libra. Um, that fixed star was called the Widowmaker or the Grape Gatherer. There kind of two different um, viewpoints on it, one being a little bit more negative and, and another one being slightly more positive. So we'll, we'll try to give both sides of the issue in, um, in proper Libra form. And then finally, on Sunday the 13th, the sun will conjoin the fixed star Denebola at 21 degrees of Virgo. And we talked about that a little bit last week when Mercury can join that fixed star. But that is one of the fixed stars in the constellation of Leo that speaks about nonconformity. So that's our overview for the week. Let's uh, take a look at our chart here and see if we can break down some of the planetary condition this week. All right. So I hope that you're doing well out there and you've survived the, uh, the full moon. Uh, last week, we saw the full moon in Pisces opposing the Virgo sun. We saw Mercury emerge from the beams. Um, This happened, I'm recording this on Friday the 4th, but this happened yesterday, uh, just as we were experiencing a square from Venus and Mars as well. Uh, An interesting announcement in the news, just in my local area in Michigan, is that uh, the governor is allowing pools and gyms to open. Uh, that was the announcement that was made as Mercury was emerging from the beams. And if you remember last week, I talked about important announcements that happen when Mercury uh, separates from being invisible uh, when it is close by to the sun. So it's like Mercury emerging from the underworld with some kind of important message. Uh, and, and it was announced that that these pools and gyms were going to be allowed to open right on the day that Mars stations retrograde uh, on the 9th. So I thought that was some interesting um, and slightly concerning symbolism. Um, So we'll see, we'll see what happens, but I've got some some ideas about uh, some of the fixed stars that are around that particular area as well. Um, And we'll talk about that as we move forward through our weekly. So let's break down the planetary condition report here. The sun this week is going to be at 14 degrees of Virgo and moving to 21 degrees of Virgo, switching decans from the second decan to the third. It will conjoin that fixed star Denebola at 21 degrees, as we spoke about. It is peregrine in this position where it does not have any essential dignity, so it is sort of a wanderer in a strange land right now. Uh, It will be in the terms of Venus from seven to 17 degrees of Virgo, the terms of Jupiter from 17 to 21 Virgo, and then finally it will end the week in the terms of Mars from 21 to 28 degrees of Virgo. It will be trining Saturn, Jupiter, and Pluto in Capricorn, as well as trining Uranus in Taurus and making that opposition to Neptune in Pisces. Its host this week is Mercury, And Mercury being in Libra now is in aversion to its host. I'm recording this on the day where we've got the final few hours of Mercury in Virgo, but when you're listening to it, Mercury will have moved into the sign of Libra and be in aversion to the sun. So that's a difficult position for the sun to be in because it doesn't have any of its own essential dignity And it's not able to communicate very well with its host. Its host is not aware that it's staying in its temple right now. So we may have some difficulties with um, things like vitality, especially with an opposition to Neptune. Um, My experience, my personal experience of Neptune contacts with important planets is just feeling the life sapped out of you, like the energy just goes away. And and it's it's a kind of an energy where we're trying to transcend physical reality and maybe escape into our imaginations, escape into some kind of spiritual transcendence. But the overarching theme that I get with that particular arrangement is just feeling a little bit of a low tide tiredness. So we may see that with our solar vitality this week, a kind of a fatigue. Um, This is especially true as we're moving into the waning cycle of the moon as well. So um, potentially losing some steam. All right, Saturn this week is still retrograde, moving very slow. It is in the sign of Capricorn. It will be moving uh, about half of a, I don't know, even a quarter of a degree this week, not, not very much, uh, moving through 25 Capricorn. It is in its own domicile and in its own terms. Uh, the terms of Saturn and Capricorn run from 22 to 26 degrees of that sign, uh, it will be making that overcoming square to Mars and Aries that we've been experiencing for quite some time, the uh, requiring us to work within boundaries and limitations to pump the brakes a little bit on our forward actions um, and the frustration that comes along with that, that necessity. Uh, Saturn will also be making a square to Mercury in Libra this week. Mercury is in the overcoming position, but this is also requiring some tough conversations when it comes to um, trying to figure out what is fair and how to create balance within our relationships and within our society. the The uh, Saturn will also be trining the sun in Virgo, so there is a positive communication between those two planets. Um, and then it will be trining, Saturn will be trining Uh, Uranus in Taurus, and sextiling Neptune in Pisces. Saturn, of course, is its own host and its own domicile, so it has access to all of its resources. Those resources including um, being able to set limits, being able to set boundaries, the concept of working with time, patience, uh, qualities of entropy where forms are leaving the plane. Remember that Capricorn was said to be sort of the the gate where energy is leaving the cosmos or leaving the material plane, whereas energy comes in in the Cancerian plane or the Cancerian portal. We want to be careful using those words, but, but when we talk about Cancer and Capricorn, it may be more appropriate. All right, Jupiter this week is going to be shifting its condition. Uh, it is going to be in the, its fall, starting off the week, uh, retrograde, but stationing direct on Saturday the twelfth, so it will be hanging out at the that seventeenth degree around seventeen Capricorn I guess you might be able to call it the eighteenth degree, depending on how you want to think about it but at seventeen Capricorn it will be stationing direct it will be on the terms of Venus from fourteen to twenty two degrees it will also be receiving all of the same aspects that Saturn is it will be making an overcoming square to Mars and Aries. It will be receiving the overcoming square from Mercury in Libra. It will be trining the sun in Virgo, trining Uranus in Taurus, and sextiling Neptune in, excuse me, Neptune in Pisces. The host of Jupiter this week will be a retrograde Saturn in Capricorn, of which it is co-present with. So it is still hanging out with its host, Saturn. Um, It is still in a position where it's not the most comfortable. It's a planet that um, finds its exaltation in the opposite sign of cancer, where energy is coming in, where forms are growing and expanding and being born. And right now it's being asked to uh, utilize the resources of, of decay. And that's tough. That's a tough spot for Jupiter. And it is still Trying to bring us unification, confirmation, connection to our higher self, gifts. It is the greater greater benefic, um, but it is doing for, doing it from a very compromised position. Now, now that Jupiter is going to be moving forward, though, that does tend to uh, it changes the will. Remember when we talked about retrogrades in planets? Uh, retrogrades are where we've kind of let go of the oars. The planet uh, kind of relinquishes its own will and moves in the divine will that is more associated with the primary motion of the sun, okay, which is clockwise motion across the sky and through the zodiac, rather than the planetary will, which is counterclockwise and moves, quote unquote, forward in the zodiac. So we can think of that as like we've been reevaluating how we create growth in our life, Reevaluating what forms we need to let go of and what we want to build. Um, This particular Deccan of Capricorn spoke about uh, the um, potential for hubris about trying to build something like a temple to the divine through material means. So we may get, uh, we may start moving forward again with some of our material plans, but I will caution you that we have to be careful that it may not be rooted in our higher selves. It may be rooted in a desire to build something on the material plane, which is, like I said, not, not the most comfortable position for, for Jupiter. All right, but we'll break that down as we get to the daily, uh, daily breakdown of our astrology. Mars this week is also shifting positions. It's going to be um, hanging out at the 28th degree of Aries, where it is conjoined, the fixed star vertex in the constellation Andromeda. And Vertex was a, a nebula, which was associated with blindness in the tradition. So there may be some actions that we're taking uh, that are um, motivated by uh by potentially not being able to see the entire picture. Um and I as I've talked about, like, you know, in Michigan, things reopening, especially with sports and things like that. Uh, there may, we may not be able to see all the ramifications of our actions with that retrograde motion as we as we reopen. Um, that's going to happen on, on Wednesday the 9th. Mars is in its own domicile. It is in the terms of Saturn from 25 to 30 degrees. It is receiving the overcoming square from Saturn, Jupiter, and Pluto in Capricorn. It will be making an opposition to Mercury in Libra and a trine to Venus in Leo. So now we're going to be having some difficult conversations about how do we uh, take action, Mars, that is motivated potentially by our own desires to move forward, um, and how do we take the needs of others into account with Mercury in Libra. This is where we're asking uh, to have balance, to be peaceful, um, and you know, if we've got Mars and Aries taking kind of violent action, we're going to be questioning what we need to create peace with this opposition. And there's going to be some tension with this. There's going to be some tension with our cardinal placements this week, uh, especially with all of these planets kind of facing off with one another. Um, Mars is in its own domicile, so it's able to draw upon all of its own resources of speed. Uh, But like I said, we're going to be reviewing that, that need to move forward with the retrograde motion. Uh, A lot of the forward progress that we've been making, if you could call it that with Mars and Aries, is probably going to be, some of it is going to be backtracked with this retrograde cycle. You're going to have to go all the way back to July 25th to figure out where Mars is going to be retrograding back to with the 15th degree of Aries. Uh, And we'll talk about that a little bit in our dailies as well. Venus this week is in a new domicile. It, it will be in the domicile of the sun, uh, moving from zero to eight degrees of Leo. It will conjoin the fixed star, Acellus Borealis at seven degrees of Leo, which was the northern ass. Um, that is the, the one of the, the donkeys that assisted Dionysus across the, the swamp. Um, it speaks to being able to tame our more, Uh, raw animal instinctual nature since the the god was riding the animal and was able to like control those impulses so we'll talk about that in in venus terms this week venus will also be on its own terms or its own bound leader as well it is moving through the the bound or the term of jupiter from zero to six degrees and then it'll be on its own terms from six to eleven degrees very interesting that as it conjoins that fixed star, Acellus Borealis, it moves into its own bound uh, where it is basically able to set the curriculum for Venusian activities. It has control, Venus has, uh, is empowered to be able to, to do what it wants to do in, that, in those particular uh, degrees. Uh, it will be making a trine to Mars and Aries. It will be sextiling Mercury in Libra and making a square to Uranus in Taurus. So uh, Venus is improving its condition, I think, with coming out of the opposition to all the Capricorn planets and the square with Mars. So we may get a little bit of relief with Venus significations uh, over the weeks ahead. Uh, The only problem that we have with Venus right now is that its host is the Sun. And as you can see here in our chart, It is not able to witness its host, just like the sun has problems witnessing Mercury right now. Venus is also an aversion to its host when the sun is in uh, Virgo. So this is a a condition where Venus is really trying to create harmony, is trying to harmonize identity and and create a sense of self. We're asking ourselves, who are we within our relationships? And what kind of bravery and courage do we have to have as far as trying to create authenticity in our relationships? But the sun is not able to provide uh, gnosis at this point or the light of the mind or the knowledge necessary to really feel comfortable with that. So we will have to kind of, uh, you know, work through that blindness a little bit. And that is echoed with Venus being in the first decan of Leo where it is a Saturn ruled decan a Saturn and sun ruled decan so there is a little bit of darkness associated with this particular decan some doubt where we're trying things on before we are able to really claim the victory of becoming our authentic selves that happens in the second decan so that'll happen towards the the next few weeks when Venus moves into Leo 2 this may also coincide with the sun moving into uh, libra where it is able to witness uh, venus once again all right mercury this week is moving through the first and second decan of libra from 2 to 12 degrees of libra it'll conjoin the fixed star diadem at 9 degrees of libra and then Vindemiatrix at 10 degrees of libra it is the triplicity ruler of the air signs in the nighttime and it will also be moving through its own terms Now, it'll begin the week on the terms of Saturn from zero to six degrees and then move into its own terms, Mercury's terms, from six to 14 degrees. It is making an overcoming square to Saturn, Jupiter, and Pluto in Capricorn. It will be making an opposition to Mars in Aries and a sextile to Venus in Leo. Its host is Leo-Venus, okay, or Venus in leo to which it has a sextile relationship to. So Mercury is being provided resources from Venus in Leo. So when we are trying to work out balance, when we're trying to work out what is fair, what is just, we have to look towards that Venus to see how we are going to be able to find an authentic expression for everyone, not just for the select few or the privileged few, um, how are we going to create fairness within our society and allow people to be their authentic self? Um, a lot of the issues that we're, we're working through in, our, in, in America and as a, as, a, as a global community right now have to do with identity uh, and especially like how we identify um, through our race. And a lot of the questions are coming up about what does it actually mean to be um, to have privilege or to be black or to be white. I saw a story that came out the other day about a university professor who had uh, been pretending to be uh, black, was someone, a professor, a, a white lady from Kansas who um, maybe had a little bit curlier hair and, and had a little bit darker complexion, but was teaching um, identity politics, I guess, in or identity Um, classes in relationship to, I believe it was, um, oh man, trying to just pull this out of the recesses of my mind right now, but I believe she was teaching about Hispanic culture or uh, Latin identity politics at a university, but it it turned out that she was lying about her identity and and lied to take on a lot of uh, grants for her work. Um, so that may those issues may come up about how do we really express authenticity? What what is this this thing that we call this construct that we call race? Um, so those are the those are some of the questions we may be exploring as we see Mercury moving through Libra. Uh, remember, Mercury likes to question things. It likes to cast doubt. It likes to to start a conversation. It likes to be a messenger between worlds. So those are the things we're going to be working through this week as well. The moon is waning. Uh, We experienced our full moon, which is the the transition from the waxing to the waning phase. Um, And now we will be experiencing at the beginning of this week, the disseminating phase where we're able to use the realizations that came to light at the full moon and distribute them. Uh, We'll be able to eat the fruit off the vine, so to speak, and then we'll be moving towards the last quarter phase, which is like an, basically like an existential crisis at the square, where we we'll have some sort of uh, conflict in our minds about how do we leave this, this previous lunar cycle behind and prepare begin to prepare ourselves for the next lunar cycle that we will have in the week ahead again. The moon will be starting off in Taurus, where it has dignity by exaltation, triplicity at night, and... Uh, dignity by face in the second decan of Taurus. It will then be peregrine in the sign of Gemini, uh, and then gain rulership by domicile and face in the third decan of Cancer. It will be the domicile ruler of the entire sign of Cancer, but only gain rulership by face in the third decan. And then it'll end the week uh, in peregrine in the sign of Leo. Okay, I think that's what we've got for the planetary condition report. Uh, I will move my notes forward, and we'll start to talk about our day-by-day day type of thing. Hope that you're all doing well out there, uh, hanging in there. I know we're still going through some some challenging times, um, and I think that we've, what we've got to do is kind of de- take it one day at a time here and kind of be able to breathe our way through it. Um, that's what I'm trying to do, at least. I will say, what my, and I want to hear your experience of the full moon and what kind of things came to light for you. I would say my own experience of the full moon was oh, having a lot of Virgo placements in my own chart. I tend to chew on the little details of things. And as you can probably tell in my forecasts, I like to be very uh, particular about how I describe these aspects and these planetary conditions and whatnot. But this extends to other problems that I have in my life as far as like uh, always having to try to think of a solution to an issue and really gnawing on an issue. And that sometimes this is even like when I'm you know, trying to get to sleep. I, those of you with Virgo placements, I think, can probably relate that sometimes there is an anxiety that is ever-present, um, especially when you're trying to sleep at night. And one of the things I've been trying to do at this full moon is Release some of the tension that I feel about trying to have to solve a problem with my mind and with my mercurial awareness and kind of leave it to uh, the flow of the universe, leave it to faith, which is more of a Jupiterian type of um, position to take on things and say, you know what, I can have some trust in the process. I don't have to figure everything out right now. And this, you know, there will be a time to to exert that type of energy but when it's time to go to sleep i have to kind of let it go and i've been observing the thoughts come in and this and the the thoughts pass out of my being and and i will tell you it's felt really good um it's felt really good to let those thoughts uh come into my mind and then not grab onto them immediately and have them create this this tension um because I think that we can really exhaust ourselves with that type of energy. I know that uh, it doesn't mean that we're not dealing with things. It doesn't mean that we're ignoring things. It means that we're not like constantly fighting it um, and that we're allowing ourselves to work together with the divine, together with the energies of the universe to find solutions rather than feeling like we have to create the solution all on our own. Sometimes the quality of time when the quality of having more things revealed to us can create more knowledge and more um, gnosis and more ability to see exactly what we should be doing. Um, And this has been true in my own life with, you know, just with that example that I gave about uh, the sports. My daughter is a competitive swimmer, and we've been kind of thinking a lot about, uh, you know, rejoining, that particular activity. And I have to say, with, with being able to the study of astrology um, and what I've learned through researching this week and the months ahead, um, we're making a decision to, to not rush back into it. Uh, we're making a decision that it doesn't necessarily completely feel safe for our family yet. It doesn't mean that that's the right decision for every single person, but that's what feels comfortable for us right now. Knowing that, Mer- that Mars is going to be retrograde the same day that it, uh, that the um, the pools and the gyms are going to be opening, and knowing that that retrograde is going to retrograde back into a square with Saturn at the end of the month where we're going to feel that renewed frustration. My gut instinct is saying that, that this opening is temporary and that we're going to you know have to take back a lot of the progress that we've been trying to make. Uh, And some of this progress may be through our own uh, impatience and through our own blindness with that conjunction with the fixed star vertex. So, you know, like I said, though, everybody is living their own experience and has their own threshold of what type of risk is comfortable for them. And that's what I'm going to have to live with at this point, realizing that everyone has a different threshold with that. My threshold for risk happens to be pretty low and our families is pretty low. And my own, my own particular awareness of some, I read an article today about some of the, um, the damage and inflammation, heart inflammation that a lot of um, Penn State football players have been experiencing after uh, being diagnosed with COVID and read an article about some of the ways that that particular disease uh, has on the systems of the body. There was some kind of actual uh, Hopeful things about it. It talked about now. This is not medical advice, so please, like, I'm going to give you the the um, disclaimer with this. But it talked a lot about vitamin D being important as far as like dealing with the illness. It's not a preventative measure necessarily, but it helped uh, in this art particular article reduce the severity of some of the symptoms. Um, again, with the disclaimer that that is not medical advice. Um, but uh, yeah, still looks like a pretty gnarly thing to deal with that that um, creates a lot of havoc in the body and does not seem like something that is uh, fun to deal with. And again, um, some of you may accuse me of being too cautious, but that's that's the where where we fall on the spectrum at this point. Okay, so let's let's kind of contextualize this within the astrology. And um, now you've heard my personal opinion. (laughs) You can make your own judgment as far as what is comfortable for you and your family. Um, But let's look at what the astrology has to say and contextualize it even further in those details. So on Monday, September the 7th, the moon is going to start off in the sign of Taurus in the disseminating phase. You can see that it has moved outside of the 45 degree mark uh, of the opposition with the sun, excuse me. It is going to be making a conjunction with Uranus at 2 in the morning on Eastern time at 10 degrees of Taurus. We can see this here. It's already kind of moved past the conjunction at 7 a.m. It will trine the sun, so we have harmony between the lights on Monday the 7th at 12.09 in the afternoon at 15 degrees of Taurus and Virgo. It will also trine a retrograde Jupiter at 4.07 p.m., at 17 degrees of Taurus and Capricorn. And the final aspect of the day is the sextile between Neptune, uh, retrograde Neptune at 8.35 p.m., Taurus and Pisces, respectively, at 19 degrees. So what I'm seeing on Monday, harmony between the lights, positive aspects between uh, the moon and the other planets, um, a very kind of, um, uh, I don't know, surprising, Element with the the moon conjoining uh, Uranus. I've been reading a lot about fixed stars lately, and one book that I've been kind of um, doing some homework with this week is a book by Oscar Hoffman. This is called Fixed Stars in the Chart. This is one of like three or four books I've really been mining for for significations lately. And uh, Fixed Stars in the Chart, Constellations, Lunar Mansions, and Mythology, which is something that I haven't seen in other other books and he talks about uh, and this is something that my, my astrology teacher at this is how he uses them as well with the outer planets he talks about the outer planets Uranus Neptune and Pluto uh, using them like fixed stars with using aspects such as the conjunction and the opposition um, but treating them like like a like a fixed star um, and uh, when when we see the moon conjoining, this fixed star we're going to see uh you know conditions of maybe a shocking type of thing happening promethean awareness where we're shaking up the systems that we're we're a part of um remember uranus was had its uh the mythology of uranus is that saturn castrated uranus uh saturn was the the son of uranus and castrated it and and basically through that castration, there was the, um, some of the seed fell into the ocean, and from that, the foam and the seed was born Aphrodite. So there's a lot of mythology wrapped up in the, just the story of Uranus. But, you know, if we talk about how Richard Tarnas uh, describes Uranus, he talks about Prometheus and giving a gift to society and humanity, stealing fire from the gods, some kind of rebellion. Uh, and we could see that echoed in that story. Okay, so um, keep your eyes peeled for that on Monday the 7th. Uh, so let's move forward to Tuesday. We want to kind of move forward through the first couple of days of the week because we really get to the interesting things uh, on Wednesday. Now, we're also going to see Mars slowing down at the beginning of the week. So uh, our, our actions are kind of, uh, you know, we, we may be having some trouble, some inertia, Uh, You know, in in addition to the square with Saturn, when Mars is slowing to a station, it can just really feel like it's difficult to move forward. So let's uh, see what we've got on Tuesday. So on Tuesday, September the 8th, the moon is going to be moving from Taurus into the sign of Gemini where it is Peregrine at 5.27 p.m. So most of the day we'll have a Taurus moon, but moving into Gemini at the end of the day, continuing the disseminating phase. The moon will be making a trine to retrograde Pluto at 2.39 a.m. at 22 degrees of Taurus and Capricorn. It will then trine retrograde Saturn at 8.46 a.m. at 25 degrees of Taurus and Capricorn. Now the moon's going to be hanging out over the fixed star Algol, um, which is uh, you know, the blinking eye of Medusa, which is a, a pretty gnarly fixed star. So we have to be careful that we don't, quote unquote, lose our heads. Some of the mythology associated with uh, Medusa and Algol is, is Perseus severing the head of the Gorgon um, and bringing it back to, to defeat the, the Kraken and save the princess Andromeda. Um, but this can some of the significations with algal is like you know anger that is very raw, this raw kind of um, feminine uh, power that we can talk about on the on the plus side, uh, getting in touch with that. but uh, we want to be able to to control it and direct it into the right um, anal- channels and avenues. Um, you know this is I've, I've heard stories of people who have had prominent um, algal placements or experiences with this fixed star, literally seeing uh, images of people being beheaded. Um, there is some association with suicide and taking one's own life with this particular fixed star. So just again, we have to just be careful that we're um, with the, the trine with Saturn, that we're um, accepting the limitations that we're being presented with, with Saturnian limitations and not getting too overly frustrated with it and, quote-unquote, losing our minds over it. Um, Now, it is a trine, so it'll be a little bit easier to deal with that particular aspect. Um, At 5.27 p.m., the moon is going to be moving into Gemini and making a sextile to uh, Venus at 11.41 p.m. uh, at 3 degrees of Gemini and Leo, respectively. So again, we've got a, you know some lunar aspects with some more difficult planets, but they are trines. They are positive communications. This may be a period of time where we are really accepting some of the the limits, accepting some of the the necessity for change with a contact with uh, Pluto, uh, and then you know our minds are going to shift to new possibilities or or thinking about what we need to let go of. As the moon moves into Gemini, and we'll talk about this with our last quarter moon, um, we may be presented with a number of choices. And since the moon is waning, we may have to make a choice and commit to something which necessitates uh, letting go of something else. And that may cause a little bit of uh, anxiety as we move forward in our lunation cycle. All right, so let's move forward to Wednesday September the 9th. So on Wednesday, September the 9th, the moon starts out in Gemini, the disseminating phase. And here we're going to see the beginning of some of our really uh, important astrology for the week. Um, This is where we see the beginning of that retrograde Mars cycle. Before that all happens, we have a a trine between the moon in Gemini to uh, the to Mercury in Libra at 4.38 a.m. from five degrees of Gemini to five degrees of Libra. So potentially some some interesting ideas about how we're going to move forward with uh, equality, fairness, and justice for everyone. We've been talking about creating a more fair and just society in these podcasts. I had a really good conversation with a a client that works in um, the university structure uh, a, a, a large university talking about diversity training and things of that nature and, and she was talking about how we talk about this. She listens to the podcast and, and appreciating some of the discussions uh, we've been having here with um, Black Lives Matter and, and talking about uh, white privilege and how we are, need to become more aware of that. And I, it, was, it was really nice to get some feedback on, on speaking about those issues. I know that at the beginning of the summer, and I, I talked with with them about uh, the process that I think we're all going through um, with this. And I, I shared a little bit of how at the beginning of this process I was a little uncomfortable talking about these issues, um, more so because I think I was afraid of upsetting people uh, and even upsetting people just just people that would disagree with the the position that I would take. Um, but as we've gone further in the summer, it's been become clearer and clearer and clearer to me uh, as a white person that it it's important for me to speak up about these things and that um, the people that I would be upsetting um, are, you know, I'm not I'm not really afraid about upsetting someone who would not uh, think that uh, we should have a fair and justice society for everyone. Um, that's just perpetuating um, white privilege, white supremacy, and uh, all of the systemic racism and systemic oppression. And at some point, you just have to say, well, I, I, those, I'm not really concerned about upsetting those people anymore. And, you know, history, being on the right side of history and standing up for what is fair and just is more important than um, feeling comfortable and having the approval of an oppressor so <laughs> like that's a mouthful and that's been like I said that's been part of my own journey and metamorphosis through this uh, especially dealing with my own upbringing which was I don't think was uh, rooted in overt racism but it definitely had some of the thematic elements of not talking about those things of of maybe having a blind spot when it comes to privilege and maybe avoiding some of the more difficult conversations of race and equality and things of that nature. And I, and I don't, don't think that that's an uncommon story for uh, white middle-class Americans where they had the, they didn't have to think about these things because it wasn't part of their daily experience. And uh, through my conversations with my partner, who is a person of color, That's been opening my eyes to a different experience that people have been living. Doesn't give me authority necessarily on speaking to those issues, but I think what it has done is given me more of a sense of empathy for the daily experience of how people go through their lives. uh, You know, not having the same privilege that I, I um, enjoy as a white, cisgendered uh, American male. So, you know, and I know that I probably lost some followers because of that, but that's them's, them's the breaks. <laughs> like, hopefully I've gained uh, more uh, respect just from taking uh, a position of authenticity and saying, you know what, this is who I am and here's where I stand. Sorry if you don't agree. Uh, and that's really part of the mission that we've been all trying to go through with this, um, this lunar cycle. With this Leo new moon that we experienced in the third deccan of Leo. That third decan of Leo speaks about it's a Mars world decan. And it's about defending who you are, defending your authentic self, severing yourself from those that that won't respect who you are as an authentic person. Um, and that's that can be hard sometimes. That takes a lot of courage. That's where the courage comes in. And That's what we have been going through as a collective is having the courage to stand up and be yourself, uh, the courage to be, uh, say, Black Lives Matter, the courage to say that everybody deserves equal treatment under the law, uh, equal policing under the law, the courage to stand up if you are a a white person and say, you know what, I have been living uh, under uh, privilege and and I have to really examine uh, that privilege and be willing to sacrifice something so that other people can live, this is part of the the um, the journey of Castor and Pollux, and this may be something that we 're experiencing at this last quarter moon cycle as well is what can we give up as people living in privilege so that our brothers and sisters can have uh, just the basic necessities of life and of safety, just the basic ability to go about their lives and move freely within a society without fear that they are going to be murdered by people in the system or by people who uh, are living under irrational fear that what they have is going to be taken from them. Now, I want to I echo, uh, I want to make another point when I talk about sacrificing privilege. I think it's really important to point out that by sacrificing privilege, that doesn't mean that you are going to be in a position of lack. I think one of, one of the things that I'm observing in our society in America is that we think that if we give people equal treatment under the law, that we are going to be somehow less than. And I don't think that that's true. I think that that's not um, allowing faith in the universe to provide enough for everyone. And this may be one of the, uh, the byproducts of Jupiter in Capricorn, where we may be thinking that there is a limited amount of resources to go around, and some of the fear that we 're seeing with people in positions of power is that if they give up some of that power and privilege that they somehow will be uh, switching places with people. I think that that is misguided. I think that uh, the universe has an infinite ability to create and provide and um Yes, there are some limits on this material plane um but we have this such gross inequality we've got you know millionaires and billionaires out there that are able not even able to spend the money that they have within multiple lifetimes and we see you know people going without and not able to put food on their table and that that to me is um that's something that needs to be changed and 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 I think we'll be in the process of change as we see the jupiter-saturn conjunction in the air signs moving forward Um, i'm hopeful that that will be what we're what we see moving forward so let's talk a little bit more about the astrology on wednesday the 9th yes we have the trine between the moon and mercury earlier in the day Uh, the non-lunar aspect of the day is a trine between the sun and retrograde jupiter so you can see this here just talking about that retrograde jupiter um, as it's getting ready to station direct. This is where we're going to be having an awareness. The sun brings awareness. The sun brings knowledge. The sun brings a focal point on a particular set of circumstances. And the, the sun right now in this position is in the, the second decan of Virgo where we are uh, you know, trying to work very hard to, to encapsulate spirit into matter. And we are eliminating all the inefficiencies like Hephaestus the blacksmith pounding, pounding the, uh, the iron or the metal uh, through heat and hard work into something beautiful. Remember Hephaestus was the consort of Aphrodite. So there's this relationship between dirtiness and beauty. Um, and it's going to be making a trine and a positive conversation to Jupiter in that area of Capricorn now. This may be a time where we are able to see the bigger picture, Jupiter, and how we are going to implement the plan, Virgo, Mercury, right? Uh, now, the, the problem, the, the downside, the pitfall could be that we are uh, getting a little bit too ambitious, that we are enacting a plan that we can't really possibly follow through with. This is especially true with uh, Jupiter about to move direct. We may be ready to move forward with plans, you know, like ready to reopen, ready to re engage with society based on material desires, ready to make a new business or something like that. But we've got all these other factors that are telling us that it's, it may still not be the time for ambitious plans. Uh, Saturn is in the driver's seat right now and will be for quite some time. Every single question that I ask myself recently is what would Saturn do? WWSD, right? What is Saturn ultimately asking for? And what Saturn is asking for is thrift, patience, economy, uh, being able to release old patterns and old systems, being able to break down the walls that separate us and build new societal structures, those are the things that Saturn asks for. And that cannot be done in a day. That cannot be done in a week. That cannot be done in a month. That can be done over time. That's the quality that we're working with right now. Now, this second decan of, of Capricorn that's, that Jupiter is moving through, Austin coppett calls it the pyramid, and he speaks a lot about hubris in this particular decan. And the hubris of trying to build a temple to the gods, to divinity, to our, di- our divine desires. And if you know the, the story of the Tower of Babel, there is a big lightning bolt from God that strikes that thing down, back down to the ground. And basically, the, you know, divinity in that story is saying, you cannot reach me through material means. And that's something I really want to have an emphasis on is whatever projects that you are trying to enact, whatever divine spark that you're trying to reach, it is impossible to reach it through material, materiality. It, it is not going to be met solely through expanding your material offerings or your material things that you're trying to build. Um, and that's, yeah, that's, that's tough to accept. That's painful. doesn't mean that we can't ever bring matter or spirit into matter. Um, we can, and we should. But I think that what we're being asked to do is do it from a much more humble, uh, piecemeal type of way right now. We can start building the dream. We don't have to build the entire dream overnight. We can prepare for things. We can prepare by clearing the old narratives and the old decks so that we can have a clear channel to to process these new things through and I really think that's what we are you know being asked to do through the end of this year is clear the decks clear the we're moving into the fall we're moving into we 're in the harvest period right now. I want to read you something from. Uh, Bernadette Brady's book. This is called Bernadette Brady's, Brady's book of fixed stars. And it talks about the constellation of Virgo where the sun is hanging out right now. She says the early Arabs called her Al-Adra El nathifa the innocent maiden. She was also known as the pure virgin and the Chinese knew her as the frigid maiden. Which seems to be an unkind literal translation from the from the Chinese. To the Greeks, she was Demeter, the goddess of harvest, who withdrew herself and her seasons from the earth when Pluto abducted her daughter. They also saw her as Aragon, the, a maiden who became so distressed at the ways of the human race that she hanged herself. By the time of Christianity, she was Mary. She became Mary holding the child. Whatever image is chosen from across time and cultures, what is contained in Virgo is the archetype of the harvest-bringing goddess, pure and good, independent of the masculine. She gives the four seasons and is the source of the fertile earth. Her emphasis at the time of harvest is linked to her gifts of the harvest and the cycles of the earth rather than the more wild worldly pursuits of commerce and trade. Her purity was reflected in the concept of virginity. However, the earliest forms of this goddess are not, quote-unquote, virginal in the modern sense of the word. The older meaning of the virgin was a woman who owned her own body and was therefore free to love whomever she desired. Virgo is a fruitful, fertile goddess, not a virginal, innocent adolescent. Lots of interesting things to unpack with that. One of the things that I think is important is seeing... Uh, Virgo as Demeter, right? So we are going to see the sun come into a trine with Pluto, right? On Tuesday, contact with Hades. And, you know, part of the, the Virgo story is withdrawing fertility from the earth. We're heading into the season where, where Persephone is going back into the underworld, where she is, you know, she spends half her time on above ground, they 've made a deal, remember, because of the um, eating of the pomegranate seeds after Pluto had abducted uh, Persephone or Hades had abducted the maiden he tricked her into eating six pomegranate seeds, which represent the six months of the year that she has to spend with uh, Hades in the underworld, and we 're heading into the um, the time of year where Demeter is going to start mourning, being separated from her daughter, and that is one of the ways that the ancient Greeks described the fall and the winter, the fertility leaving the, the earth, okay? Interesting, too, talking about Aragon, uh, the maiden who became so distressed at the ways of the human race that she hanged herself. That has some interesting connotations with what we were talking about with Algol, uh, also with the widowmaker of Vindemiatrix, um, which is, is part of the constellation Virgo, both, both of those, well, Algol is part of, uh, is part of um, Taurus right now, but also is part of Perseus, right? It is in the ecliptical, projected ecliptical degree of Taurus, um, but it has connotations with Virgo. Now, because of precession, Vindemiatrix is now in tropical Libra, but we can draw some significance from that particular fixed star as well. Think about that. Think about that as Virgo significations. You know, how many of you with Virgo placements become disgusted? This is a this is a really important word for Virgo, disgust. Disgusted at, at humanity sometimes and disgusted at the imperfection of the systems in the world, but also within your own personal worlds, disgusted at the disorganization in your home and of the habits of the people around you. I I, I for one definitely feel this. I that is one of the uh, things that is powerful in my in my personal story, um, with Jupiter, uh, Saturn, and Mars all in the in the sign of Virgo in the second house, I come become disgusted with um, capitalism a lot, with with how we have to abuse one another to make money and how unfair unfair and unjust that system seems to me. That that quality of disgust I can feel it in the, the core of my being. So. I think that's a really something to get in touch with is your own inner sense of disgust. and But what do you do about it though? How That disgust, it doesn't just, we don't just sit with the disgust and complain about everything. We need to purify that disgust. We need to make change and and, and act upon that disgust. The disgust may be the motivating factor, but it's not the end of the story. It is something that is asking us to, to clean things up, to reorganize, to do the hard work of getting rid of what is no longer bringing us satisfaction. It's opposite Pisces, satisfaction. Okay, so these are some of the things we're working through with that Virgo story. Okay, so that's the uh, Sun-Jupiter trine that's happening on that day. Now, the other thing that's really important, that's big time, that we're going to be dealing with, is Mars at 6.32 PM, I'll show you here on my chart. At 6.32 PM, Mars is gonna be stationing retrograde. So here we see it is in retrograde in motion. I'll go back a few minutes so we can get the exact point in time that it does and see what the sky looks like. Excuse me. On my chart here, you're gonna see the numbers in red right here at six. 23 p.m., indicating that that planet is retrograde in this program Astral Gold. Okay, so this is happening, and this is what this is interesting because this is a period of time between September 9th and September the 12th. We have six planets in retrograde motion Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, and Neptune all moving retrograde. So, this may be a period of time where we're just feeling some real frustration about forward movement where we're really asking some tough questions and reviewing a lot of things in our life uh, where we may feel just out of sorts. We may feel like we're being guided by the divine. Remember, uh, retrograde motion speaks to primary divine motion, letting go and letting God. This is a time where our actions need to be guided by divine wisdom, not from our own personal desires. And this, I think, is especially true with the fixed star that this uh, this retrogradation happens. Now, I'm going to give you some dates. We're going to look at the constellations associated with those dates as well. 28 degrees Virgo. I'm sorry, 28 degrees Aries. Uh, this is going to be uh, moving in retrograde motion until the, uh, the 13th of November, where it stations direct at 15 degrees of Aries. So again, let's talk about, just basic Mars retrograde stuff. And then we'll get into the nitty-gritty of the fixed stars associated with its retrograde cycle and its direct motion. So again, we talk about delays, reversals, a detour, reviewing how we put ourselves out there. This is the third decan of Aries, which is a Venus-ruled Deccan. Okay. This is with this um, Deccan spoke about winning over a hostile crowd, using our charisma. To win over somebody to our side, uh, and this potentially may be where we're our, we don't necessarily have the ability to do that as effectively, or even the desire to do this. You know, this may be where all of our actions may be creating uh, repelling a repelling action. Uh, over the course of my studies with astrology, uh, in particular, I have seen uh, Venus retrogrades. And people who have Venus retrograde in their chart, uh, and this isn't true all the time, but this is a pretty common signification. Venus likes to bring things together. Uh, it likes to attract things. And people with, with Venus retrograde and during Venus retrograde times, we tend to repel things. There, there is a unique quality of, of people maybe trying to attempt to bring things together, but their actions work in the opposite way and they actually repel people. And since Mars is moving through this Venus ruled decan, our actions may be creating more disharmony uh, rather than, you know, attempting to forge ahead and create actions that, that bring people together. Now I know that that seems counterintuitive with Mars because Mars is severing. But again, this decan is about trying to win people over to our side, not to figure out what is fair. It's about bringing, you know, using our charm to bring people over to our unique, individual point of view. And that is not going to be uh, working as well as it has in the last few months. I, now, I don't know how well that's been working in general, especially because of the square with Saturn, but that's what we're going to be seeing moving backwards. A lot of the progress that you may, that we may have been making as a society, uh, as far as winning people over, it's good. we're going to backtrack. This may be where your your anger is just bubbling over and and you're not going to win friends like that so like um that is that is how we're going to have to deal with this energy it increases the likelihood of repelling frustrated action especially with the square to saturn that is going to be exact on the 29th of september Um, again we talk about this with primary motion divine this is a divine course correction for mars Um, This is the planet being subjected to the divine will, not its own will. Uh, We're going to look, I want you to look back to the summer of 2018. That was the last Mars retrograde that we experienced. Mars retrogrades roughly once every two years or so. Uh, And this was a retrograde cycle that happened in, in the sign of Aquarius, where it retrograded briefly back into Capricorn towards the end of the summer that was from June 27th to August the 28th of 2018 so take some take some time think about what was going on maybe the frustration that you felt and how you dealt with the the problem that you were dealing with in the aquarius area of your chart now this will be different this will different themes will be in place because it rules a different house in your chart it rules the aries area of your chart and it also has some power over the Scorpio area of your chart because it rules that sign as well so there is a connection between those two areas of your life and it may, there may not be as much forward movement as you as you would like now what do we do about this what do we do with frustration because that's really I could just keep hammering that point home Hephaestian like well we may have to find some healthy outlets for our anger we may have to learn patience I know personally around that t- period of time um, uh, another astrologer, Adam Summer, I think he does some herbalist stuff. He was recommending the, uh, the herb ashwagandha, which was, was good for um, uh, ashwagandha powder or whatever to, to create re- relaxation and to tame some of that Mars energy. Now, again, I'm not a doctor or, an, or a trained professional herbalist, so take that advice with a grain of salt. Uh, For liability reasons, but I do I do use that powder in a shake that I make every morning and it it does tend to I would say It has been helpful Um, Yeah, so we may be seeing blockages during this time from authority figures Saturnian authority figures where our actions are running headlong into the Saturnian brick wall Um, we're getting a collective no to the things that we are trying to move forward. Um, this period of time may be important for strengthening your defenses rather than going on the offensive. Uh, a retrograde Mars may be talking about defending the progress that we've already made versus you know, moving forward and trying to gain more ground. Okay? So this may be an attack on the progress that has already been made. Um, this, may be, this may bring up some anger management things. This may be where you're really having to learn how to deal with your own anger and frustration. What happens when you don't get what you want? This may be the things that really come up. We may have personal desires that we want. And what do we do and how do we react with maturation, which is what Saturn is asking us for, when we can't have everything we want? There's a little song that I used to sing in, in our family to my, my daughter when she was younger. Uh, you might have heard of it. It was by the Rolling Stones. And we'd always be like, uh, what's the song that we sing? (laughs) And like, I had her trained so well by the end of this that she would be like, begrudgingly under her breath. You can't always get what you want. You can't always get what you want. But if you try sometimes, you just might find you get what you need. That's really, I think that's the theme song for this period of time, we can't always get what we want. But if we follow Saturn's rules and work within its limitations, we might actually get what we need. Um, It's not gonna be easy, it's not gonna be fun, but um, that's the quality of the time that we're working within. All right, couple more things about this Saturn retrograde cycle. Saturn is going to start retrograding on the fixed star vertex. Now I'm gonna go over to my chart my star chart, I'm gonna show you what we're dealing with here. And this, uh, move forward to the ninth, and we're going to see uh, the fixed star vertex is part of the constellation Andromeda. Now, let's see if we can find Andromeda here. Andromeda, oops, we're going all topsy-turvy. Andromeda is near, sorry, Andromeda is near the pole, the North Pole here. So that's why we're having a little, maybe a little trouble finding it. I'm going to move my chart back here so that we can see it. There's Andromeda. So here's Andromeda. We see Mars is going to be hanging out. Okay, over, where is Mars? Got to find Mars. Thank you for bearing with me here is believe this is mars there's mars okay the red planet and it's going to be starting to retrograde right around this area of the zodiac which is related to andromeda okay here we see alpharetts which is an important one in our story because that's where mars is going to retrograde back to at about 14 or 15 degrees of aries and we've got uh see. Around this area that Mars is going to retrograde, we have a nebula, uh, the Andromeda Nebula. And and nebulas in traditional astrology were associated with blindness that I've found from my research. So Vertex, uh, the authors that I've been reading, Bernadette Brady, Oscar Hoffman, um, Elizabeth Hazel, uh, have talked about these nebulas and this blindness uh, allowing Andromeda, the the damsel in distress to be swallowed up and become a victim of the sea monster. Okay. You could see she's chained up here and she's awaiting the story of Andromeda is basically there was hubris involved as there often is in Greek mythology. Uh, Her, her parents compared her beauty, I think to, uh, to Athena or Aphrodite, I think it was Athena, and this pissed off one of the goddesses, and and because you can't, you don't insult a goddess, uh, they chained Andromeda to a rock, and she demanded that she be sacrificed to the sea monster, the the Kraken, and of course, if you've seen Clash of the Titans, uh, the hero Perseus, which we can see here, uh, had to go on a quest, and sever the, the head of Medusa that's right here to be able to uh, turn the sea monster to stone and free Andromeda, okay? So we have this, this damsel in distress. Uh, Perseus coming to rescue her. You know, Algol is part of this story here too with being a, a fixed star in, right? There's Algol in the head of Medusa. Uh, we also, if you look down here, this is kind of interesting too. We have Pegasus who was the, the horse that Perseus rode in on right here as being sharing fixed stars with Andromeda. So this fixed star Alpharetz, uh right here was not only a fixed star in Andromeda, but it was the navel of Perseus, I'm sorry, of Pegasus as well. So that fixed star talks about speed and forward movement and freedom. So we may be t- taking action in our blindness like reopening gyms and pools when our COVID numbers are, you know, not really doing much better. Um, and trying to rush action, probably due to, I would say our governor's been under a lot of pressure from people here in our state, um, from people who want to open things up, from like, you know, people who want to do sports. And that's their desire. That's their Marshall Aries type desire. They want to compete. They want to fight, you know. Uh, but we're going to be seeing I, I, my professional astrologer opinion. Looking at these symbols, is that action is being taken in blindness due to that uh, conjunction with vertex. It may allow the sea monster, COVID, to come and and you know gain power and swallow the the damsel without Perseus being able to rescue her. Um, And that's concerning to me. That is something that concern gives me a great pause about rejoining that or moving forward with our our martial desires right now. Um, The other thing that this fixed star talked about is eye issues, so eye injuries. So be very, very careful with anything sharp, anything martial, like like knives, um, anything when you're cooking. Uh, it, there is potential to injure the eyes for some reason. That was one of the, the significations, the practical significations of this symbolism also. So wear your protective eye gear if you're doing any uh, projects like you know, that involved cutting implements or sparks or things like that. Like just make sure you're taking your safety precautions. That could be another way to deal with this Mars retrograde is to really double down on safety measures. Um, now, Mars is going to retrograde. Now you can see Mars, I'm gonna, let's look at it because we can literally see it move backwards. So we can see Mars is moving forward here, but as we see Mars moving, we'll start to move backwards. See that, Mars is moving backwards. We can literally see it in the sky on the ecliptic here. Got Mars right there. As we move forward, it's moving backwards in the ecliptic. And as we get to, you know, finally, we're gonna to get to November, okay, the 13th. It's gonna start moving direct again and you will see its conjunction near that fixed star, Alpharetts, which is right over here, right there. There's Rets, okay? And we'll be able to see Mars in projected ecliptical degree right there. See that? Neat. Okay. Now, Alpharetz was the navel of Pegasus. So this, we, we will be able to move forward with maybe more speed. with more. We may start to gain some freedom again in the middle of November. This is after the election and all the craziness that's going to happen uh, with that. And, and make no mistake, there will be some craziness that happens in the lead up to this election and the election itself. Um, you know, Mercury stations on that day, also direct, I think. And uh, it's, uh, yeah, there's there's going to be some stuff that echoes some of the election of 2000, where we had Bush-Gore years and the hanging Chad and the Supreme Court deciding the election. That all is is going to be, some of that, those themes are going to be repeated as we move forward in the election cycle. Um, but what I will say is that if you can have patience between now, the beginning of September, and mid November, mid to late November, probably going to be able to move forward with greater grace and freedom. And that will lead us into that Jupiter Saturn conjunction as Jupiter improves its condition, leaves Capricorn, and moves still into a Saturnian sign, but it's not in its fall. It is, it's not, still not going to be in the greatest shape but it's gonna be in much better shape than it is now. So that big project that you're thinking of, this is the time to just review everything and say, what are are my motivations? What do I really wanna get out of this? How can I revamp my systems so that when I do make that that big change around the winter solstice, that those systems are gonna be sustainable, that we're not gonna be just backtracking and, and having to redo everything again. So this is a great time just to review Redo and be patient and get ready for that big flowering that's going to be happening towards the end of the year. Now, it doesn't mean that everything's going back to normal at the end of the year. I think we do have some more time that we're going to be dealing with things again, like the folks on the astrology podcast, you know, Austin Kepik and Chris Brennan and Kelly Surtis describe it more as like a slow, dull ache of a pain rather than an acute one. And maybe that happens because we have. Uh, maybe a new president. Maybe for those of you who like Biden, like maybe it, he's not perfect, right? Maybe he gets elected president, and the the slow burn of holding him accountable to these greater systemic changes is the next work that needs to happen, right? Uh, but we get rid of the acute pain that would be Donald Trump actively trying to dismantle d- democracy and, and create an authoritarian regime. So, yeah. All right. So again, on the 13th, we're going to see Mars turn direct. Now, if we think about where Mars was at 15 degrees of of Aries in the summertime, this happened in July of 2020, what we were seeing, because we're going to see this again, we're going to see some of these same themes coming back. We saw the wall of moms in Portland around this time. We saw a Navy vet uh, being violently attacked by federal agents uh, in Portland, we saw unarmed, unmarked vehicles abducting protesters in the same place. So we may see some of those themes come back as we are reviewing uh, martial activity and, and seeing that square uh, come back again. And you know, it's 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 going back over the it's going to be b- going back over the square to Pluto too. So Mars is going to be making contact with Pluto uh, as, we, as we move forward through this this time frame as well. And remember, Pluto is associated with abduction. Uh, and um, yeah, when we saw those abductions taking place, we had a, I believe that came to our awareness when the sun was making an opposition to, to Pluto. So we'll see what happens. So here's my final advice for, for Mars retrograde. Think before you act. Really really think about your actions before you just you know, pop off and do something. Uh, be careful of being passive-aggressive. Really you know, try, to have, try to be as direct as you can with your communication. Um, try to ask questions. This is what Mercury and Libra will help. Uh, if you're feeling upset about something, try to see someone else's perspective first and understand how uh, your desires fit in with the, a more, um, the desires of the collective and, the, and other people. Um, because we're going to be asked to take that into account as we move forward. You may be experiencing some lack of energy. Uh, your actions may be inconsistent. You may be going through some false starts. You may necessitate needing to slow down. Uh, there may be some difficulty severing ties from old things because Mars is not doing its action uh, as as well as it, it wants to. Um, so if you're losing the will to fight back against the system, that's understandable this could be a time where we're just kind of losing steam um don't give up i would say is that what what i will say um keep keep uh trying to fight the good fight but it's okay if you lack some energy and it's okay if you're getting a little bit exhausted with the process i would encourage you to to double down on your self-care um to recognize when you go to bed at night like i experienced at that full moon you don't have to solve every problem right before you go to sleep. There's times for fighting and there's times for resting. And we'll really have to think about those things as we move forward through these election cycles. Because I guarantee you, the, the, the news, uh, our social media, both of those things are gonna be designed to keep you in a state of anxiety, especially in an election cycle, 24 seven. There'll be, have to be times where you, you, you detach, where you turn it off and you, and you recharge the battery. Not to ignore it, but to just give yourself the time to be able to sustain your, your Saturnian energy over time. okay? It's about self-preservation at this point. OK, that's Wednesday, and that's Mars retrograde. Hoo! That should be fun. Let's move forward. Um, let's move forward to. Thursday, September the 10th. So on Thursday, September the 10th, the moon will be in Gemini in its last quarter phase. Uh, It will be uh, making its square to the sun, the last quarter moon phase at 525 a.m. at 18 degrees of Gemini and Virgo. And then it will be squaring a retrograde Neptune at 816 p.m. at 19 degrees of Gemini and Pisces. Now, last quarter moons speak about existential crises. They are squares, so they are the nature of Mars. You can see here we have this, this square aspect. It's a disharmony between the lights. It's a disharmony between our, our will, our divine will, what we desire, and the environment that we find ourselves in. The moon is like the circumstances and the environment. The sun is like that divine soul. What we want, what we are aware of, what we, what we—it's sort of like Mars, but it's more about like commanding the action rather than taking the action itself. So we may be trying to command some kind of detailed work, um, but the environment is providing too many, too many questions, too many uh, directions we could go. Um, the environment is asking us to make a choice. Now let's look at the cards associated with this particular aspect. So we have the nine of pentacles representing the sun in Virgo and the nine of swords representing the moon in the uh, second decan of Gemini. And here you could see a figure that's lying awake at night, having a nightmare, having that anxiety about what do we do? Oh my God, there's so many things that we have to do. I feel so overwhelmed about how I need to prepare for the in for the pending shortages of fall and winter now i think i i talked about this a little bit i think i touched on this a little i talked about what to do during that mars retrograde how do we solve this existential crisis well first of all we have to compartmentalize a little bit and deal with only what we can deal with at that period of time you're not going to solve the crisis of the world you know uh 30 minutes before you have to go to sleep you know that's the time for sleeping that's the time for Shutting your brain off, not holding on to those thoughts, letting them pass through and recognizing that they'll still be there the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're worried about forgetting an important thing, write something down. I like to journal a lot and get things out of my head. If I'm feeling anxiety and overwhelm from too many things going on in my life, I, get, I make a list. And I know that that paper is the container for the, that stuff. And I can deal with one thing at a time rather than trying to hold on to all of those things all at once. Um, This may be difficulty making a choice. We're weighing uh, two different paths that we could take. Um, Too many details to manage, being pulled in multiple directions, contradictory needs, managing duality. This may be where we're, you know, a lot of times where I can think about this, where we're going back to school, um, where we're trying to do our own jobs as parents. And we've got a lot of us have our kids at home right now. And this may be like a, a difficult time where we're trying to be uh, domestic parents, and be um, you know, professionals, working professionals from home at the same time. That could be one of the struggles that we're working through. Um, this may be another time to weed out some of the false ideals that we have, too. Like, Gemini has a, a desire to pursue many different pathways. It's a, it's a very, we're talking real mercurial paths here. Um, so we may have to let go of some of those imagined paths. Grass isn't always greener on the other side. And this is a time where we're, you know, we may feel some sorrow and some anxiety about uh, choosing one path over the other. Uh, but again, and this is something I'll echo from hearing Austin Coppock tell this story, is he has a Gemini moon. And uh, when he was young, he always wanted to do a lot of different things. And uh, he had a, it sounded like he had some anxiety over uh, all those different pathways he could pursue. And his mom told him, hey, you know what? You don't have to give up all of those pathways necessarily, uh, but you can't do everything you know, all at once. You can pick something now, do it to the best of your ability. And if you change your mind later and want to do something else, that's fine. Just because you're abandoning a path right now does not mean you're abandoning that path indefinitely. So that may be a way to, to bring peace of mind is that you know, you have to focus on what's really on your plate and what's really most important right now as we prepare for the transition to the fall and to judgment. That's what happens at Libra season is judgment. That's the entrance into the underworld. So we're, we're wrapping up all of our material growth from the summer and seeing what stays and what goes as we get ready to make a transition into the underworld and into the dominance of the nighttime over the, the length of day. Okay, so that's our last quarter moon, and that's what we've got going on. On Thursday, so just try to relax. Recognize that you don't have to do everything all at once. It'll be okay. Deal with what's on your plate in front of you. All right, let's move forward to Friday. On Friday, September the 11th, uh, a an infamous anniversary in the United States. This will be what? How many years? 19 years since 9/11, 2001 the Twin Towers, all of that. So we will be dealing with some of those themes coming up in our collective and re- remembrances of that. Um, believe, is that Veterans Day also? I don't know. I don't know if Veterans Day is tied to that particular date or Memorial Day. Um, no, not Memorial Day. Oh, right. Anyway, uh, I'm not sure if it's tied to a specific Monday in the month or if it's a uh, tied to that specific date. Forgive me for my ignorance on that. But on Friday, 9-11, the moon will be moving through Gemini into the sign of Cancer at 422 a.m., continuing its last quarter phase. The moon will be sextile the retrograde Mars now at 1248 a.m. at 28 degrees of Gemini and and Aries. It will then move into Cancer at 422 a.m., The moon will then square Mercury at 10.48 p.m. from 9 degrees of Cancer and Libra, respectively. And then it will sextile Uranus at 10 degrees of Cancer and Taurus at 11.57 p.m. Okay. The big non-lunar aspect of the day is an opposition between the sun and Neptune, retrograde Neptune at 4.25 p.m. from 19 degrees of Virgo and 19 degrees of Pisces. Now, this will echo some of the themes of our full moon, because it's in a similar area of the zodiac. The full moon was at 10 degrees of each of those respective signs, so it's not super in the exact same area, but it's in the same decan, so those themes will, will still be prevalent. and th- Some of those themes are uh, reality versus the vision, what is real versus what do we, you know, what do we wish was real. Um, maybe having a lack of purpose or direction, since the sun is is coming in contact with with Neptune. Neptune is a dissolver. Neptune is a confuser. Neptune is the illusion maker. Uh, this may be where we have some self deception about what we're trying to work through. And um, you know, this is also going to be there was a T square the day before between the moon, the sun, and Neptune. So again, part of the the challenge that we we're experiencing through this last quarter phase is we may have some unrealistic expectations about where we're going um, and what is the reality of our situation. And I could see this, you know, and, and keep coming back to COVID and, and society opening up and things like that. We may have some unrealistic expectations and some illusions about how the rea- what the reality of the situation really is. Um, I'm seeing more information about uh, that we're just kind of at a standstill. We haven't really been improving. And, you know, some places are getting worse. Some places are slightly improving. But it's kind of like a, you know, a standstill as far as where we're at. Um, and to be honest with you, it's still very difficult to get clear information. Um, we have an active dis- disinformation campaign going on with our government. Um, we have a lot of mistrust of, of the media from, from multiple angles. Uh, and like I said, there's, there's, it's tough to really know what the truth is. And that is frustrating. And I think that may be coming to a head on, on Friday as well. Um, so it's important to balance some of your presence, being present with reality versus your desire to escape. You may be losing steam on the project that you've been working on. Uh, again, every every time I've had a, a con- close contact in my own natal chart with Neptune, I just feel a lack of energy. I feel like, oh, I just want to read a book or watch a movie or zone out um, and escape reality. And that may be what is really prevalent on this day is we just like just feel pooped out we've dealt with reality we've been working so hard on our Hephaestian tasks and trying to to you know smith these great divine works you know we've been hammering away at things in the forge and we may just be losing steam we may just be tired that, that can be part of this this energy as well um one thing I think would be important too is we may be longing to escape some of our responsibilities. We may be, you know, thinking about the martyrdom that we are experiencing, uh, the sacrifices that we've had to make and feeling some sadness over it, which is understandable. Um, I think that our our family's decision to to delay going back to quote unquote normalcy and and delaying, uh, you know, participating in something non-essential like sports, I hate to say it, as someone who loves, loves competition and loves competitive sports and grew up doing that and loves watching my kid do it and loves, you know, things like the Olympics and just has dreams like that, I, one of the things that's come to light in my mind is it's not essential. It's not an essential thing. Um, putting our family and my child at risk of having long term health challenges for, uh, a temporary competitive season—it's not worth it. And that's a—I'm sad. That makes me really, really sad for the time that she has missed out on, and the time that we've missed out on as a family. I found a lot of joy in that process, and in the the improvement and seeing the discipline that takes place. Um, and again, sports isn't done forever. At least I hope it's not. Um, and we've had to adjust. We're, we've been working out at home. We've been measuring things by d- doing our exercises at home and doing some r- runs and, you know, s- just maintaining only contact with our family unit. Uh, we've just had to make some adjustments. are still exercising, still getting, you know, the health concerns in. I mean, that's really the – I realize that's what is essential, the, the being able to have good mental and physical health. Um, but the, the actual competitive aspects of it um, – it's not essential, and there 's sadness with that, and I think we, that may be hitting us hard a little bit around this sudden Neptune opposition is, is mourning the loss of some of those uh, I guess institutions that brought us a lot of joy. I know personally professional sports in particular brought me a lot of joy, but a lot, it, a lot of it was escapist escapism. Uh, I work very hard at my my job and the details of my job, but I spent a lot of time watching professional sports and um, I've actually become a thousand times more productive since some of those sports have like taken a break, <laughs> like I will admit. Um, and since we've also taken a break from, from you know, teenage adolescent sports, I, I personally have become more productive as well with, with my own work and my daughter with her schoolwork. So um, there, are, there are silver linings. Now let's talk about the fixed star uh, diadem. D-I-A-D-E-M, at nine degrees of Libra, because this is part of our, our story here about sacrifice. And this may help us think about what we're doing here. I'm going to go to our chart. You can see that uh, Mercury is roughly at about nine degrees of Libra. Okay, right here. It's going to happen, you know, right around the middle of the day. And we did see the moon making a square to this position of Mercury at about 10.48 p.m. Now, the moon is going to be at uh, the fixed star, Alhina, which is the heel of Pollux, which is a, an announcement, like some kind of announcement, some kind of like, uh, you know, marching for a particular cause. Okay, so we've got uh, the moon moving over Mirzim, the announcer, sorry, and then the um, the proudly marching one, Alhina. So we may have some announcement that a co- that causes us to make a sacrifice and that sacrifice we're going to describe through diadem here so we're going back to our chart we're going to go back to september and we're going to see september the 11th themes of sacrifice okay and we're going to look for mercury i've got to move my time frame here a little bit so we can see where we're at sorry okay so here we see the sun, at the tail end of the constellation but in, in the tropical zodiac sign of Virgo. Here this, this giant constellation is Virgo, but we're gonna see tropical Libra as being the point of the, the ecliptic that we're working with here. Now diatom is, let's see if we can find it. Here we've got Vindemiatrix that we'll talk about in a second. Here's Mercury. And here is, where is it? That's Spica. There's Zavajavi. <laughs> it's in the wing, I think. Uh, well, no, sorry. I'm skipping ahead. I'm skipping ahead to Vindematrix. Diadem is right here. There it is, sorry. Diadem, diadem, diadem is in the constellation... Coma Bernices. Now, this is very close to Virgo. Uh, shares some part of the story, but it, this is about sacrifice. This is this is a the woman's crown, or it was uh, hair. A crown being a crown of hair. And back in in the ancient times, uh, a woman's hair was very important. I guess it may still be, but it's taken on slightly less importance. But if you were bald, that was a great disgrace in ancient times, and that's not so much now. Now it's kind of fashionable and trendy and looks pretty cool. Um, but the story goes is that Bernice, Bernice was the wife of Ptolemy III, who was an Egyptian pharaoh, and he went off to war, and uh, he Bernice was uh, wanting to ensure his safe return from battle, and uh, she went to pray at the temple of, I guess, Aphrodite here, and um, she sacrificed her hair to Aphrodite for the safe return of her husband from war, okay? So here we have this here, this, this sacrifice of the hair. So we have a willing sacrifice for the family, okay? So we have themes of, of giving up privilege, of, of familial devotion questioning what we need to give up. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the one. Sacrifice for the family, fidelity to a cause. And as I was talking about in my personal life, sacrificing you know, a sports season, potentially with some you know, having to have a feeling of FOMO or missing out, but for, the, for a greater good, for a greater cause, for, for the safety of the entire family, for the long-term health of, of each of us as individuals. All right. Um, And again, we're going to see that square with the moon and nine degrees of cancer happening during the day as well. So this sun Neptune opposition is contextualized with Mercury making us question sacrifice. And what do we really need to give up? What do we need to sacrifice? You know, without becoming a martyr to the cause, too. We don't want to take it too far where we're martyring ourselves and unnecessarily sacrificing so there are gonna be conversations about this and about the themes associated with all this as we move forward through Friday 9-11. And on a on a global level or on a, con- a country, a national level, we may be talking about the sacrifice that was made by uh, you know, the people in 9-11 and about, you know, our military and things of that nature. I know in the recent news cycle, uh Donald Trump came out and was talking about there was an article in the Atlantic about. Uh, how Donald Trump did not respect soldiers that had died in battle and thought of them as, as weak uh, because they were, quote-unquote, losers uh, because they died and didn't win. And that's horrible. That's horrible just to think that. It's horrible to say that. Uh, and it's not true. It is uh, Sometimes the greatest sacrifice someone can make is, is giving up your life for somebody else. And when you're uh, a selfish narcissist who only cares about winning, It's very hard for you to put yourself in someone else's shoes and understand the ultimate sacrifice, which is giving your life so that others can live. Um, So, you know, those themes are going to be coming up on Friday, the 11th. All right, let's move forward to our weekend, because our weekend, we're going to have some shifts here. Talk about Saturday. I'm going to move back to... Chart. And I'm going to move forward to Saturday, September the 12th. Now, Saturday, September the 12th, the moon will start off in Cancer. Uh, and it'll be we'll be continuing our last quarter phase. The moon will make an opposition with Jupiter, retrograde Jupiter that is stationing direct on this day. So we're going to have one more hit with Jupiter and the moon um, at 1254 p.m. at 17 degrees of Cancer and Capricorn, respectively. Uh, the moon will then trine that retrograde uh, Neptune at four forty-five PM. It will sextile the sun at six forty-four PM, and uh, at twenty degrees of, of Cancer and Virgo, you know the moon will be conjoining the fixed star Castor. The sun will be fairly close to the fixed star Denebola. So, you know we're thinking about duality again with those with those themes, and about uh, you know our ambition with the fixed stars of Leo uh, that are in tropical Virgo. And then we see an opposition with the moon on the fixed star Pollux at 22 Cancer, opposing uh, Pluto retrograde in, Cap- in Capricorn at 1019 PM. So again, we may be asked to give, give something up. Uh, Pollux gives up some of his immortality so that the other twin can live. Now, a couple other things going on on Saturday the 12th. Um, Jupiter is stationing direct at 8.41 p.m. So this is happening in the second decan of Capricorn, where we see the three of pentacles, where we have a team of people cooperating to build something, to build uh, what Austin Coppa calls the pyramid. Um, this is called wealth in the, I'm sorry, no. This is the, um, what is this one called in book T? I don't remember what this one's called in Book T, but Austin Coppock compares this card to having hubristic visions, uh, potentially grandiosity or biting off more than we can chew. Material ambitions um, start to move forward again, as we've talked about earlier in the forecast. Uh, This may be another expansion of Saturnian themes though, because Saturn is providing the resources for Jupiter right now. It's maybe an expansion of power. You know, Saturn is is in that third decan of Capricorn where it's talking about consolidation of power on some level. So, with Jupiter moving forward again, we may see an expansion of a doubling down on the powers that be trying to to, uh, assert their authority. Um, So, we may be asked to grow again, but within limitations. And this is, you know, going to be after the review of what we actually have as resources. So, be careful of unrealistic expectations. Um, perhaps this will give us an ability to bring people together to achieve some kind of ambitious endeavor. Um, but again, it's, this is a, not the, the most comfortable place for Jupiter. So keep that in mind with anything that you're trying to expand. Okay, so the Mercury is going to be moving into the second decan of Libra at 2.29 a.m. And it is going to be uh, hosted now. Uh, still by uh, Venus in Leo, which it is sextile with its host, the rulers of the second decan of Libra are uh, Saturn. Saturn is the the host or the, the face ruler of in both the Chaldean and the triplicity system. So a very Saturnian decan. The tarot card associated with the second decan of Libra is the three of swords. This is the one where you've got all the swords stabbing the heart in the thunderstorm. <laughs> Not a very nice card. Talks about heartbreak. Talks about disappointment. Talks about sorrow. It was called sorrow in Book T and Book of Toth. Now, Austin Koppik takes an interesting take on it. He calls it a, two links of a chain. And he speaks a lot about uh, the testing of bonds and contracts, such as marriage. Um, so we can see a lot of things where we may be questioning Mercury or casting doubt upon. The, the, the commitments that we've made in our lives, maybe negotiating the terms of a deal or renegotiating it or questionizing it or questioning it or destabilizing our, our understanding, communicating um, our, all of the agreements that we've made that are binding. Saturn is a planet that binds us to responsibilities. So in this decade, Mercury is questioning what we've bound ourselves to and and either reaffirming the the contracts or saying you know what that's that's not what i want that that's not what i want to be bound to so we may see that we may weigh both sides the pros and cons of that saturnian binding energy um it also speaks of the pain of betrayal and the consequences that happen there are this is remember this is the area of the zodiac that's associated with the judgment of mott in the underworld so this may be the point in time where we are being judged Like if we, if we have a betrayal in our life that we will face consequences. And in the underworld, you face the consequences, you know, and you face the punishments, you know, of the, of the, of the divine, uh, for, for the actions that you took. Um, so we may be discussing obligations. We may be opening channels of communication, um, or discussion weighing both sides of our commitment. Um, what else? The fixed stars in this particular decan, we have Vindemiatrix, the Widowmaker, at 10 degrees of Libra, and at 13 degrees of Libra, we have the fixed star Algarab, which is part of the constellation Corvus, the crow. So here's what I think about that. Um, And we'll talk about um, Mercury being on Vindemiatrix first. So today, on, on Saturday the 12th, Mercury is conjoining that fixed star. And we'll go back to our star chart. So here we have Vindamaya right here. Okay. In the constellation of Virgo, here's Corvus the crow. I'll zoom out a little bit. And uh, we see Mercury. Mercury's hanging out around here somewhere. Um, there it is. There's Mercury conjoining that fixed star. And you can see we're bringing Corvus into it. Okay. There's Algarab right there. Okay. At 13. Now, Vindemetric has some interesting symbolism. It's in the constellation of Virgo, so we're going to talk about that that Virgo story we that we talked about earlier in the week that Brady broke down for us, the the maybe the the disgust with society, <laughs> you know, the the uh, uh the the need to purify something, the need to separate the wheat from the the chaff, uh the you know, figuring out what stays and what goes. Um this particular fixed star there, are, there is a contrary opinion between uh, Vivian Robeson and some of the tradition and the horary tradition and Bernadette Brady and other traditional sources. Now, Robeson is not very fond of this, this fixed star, Vindemiatrix, who, who calls it the Widowmaker. It is a star of divorce in horror. You see this in a horary chart, like, oh boy, the, the relationship may not last. Or you know this this is going to be a difficult point. Um, this is also a a position that is a fixed star that is called the Grape Gatherer in the ancient Greek tradition, um, and and this is associated. Brady associates this with the story of Amphelos, who was a young gentleman who was a consort of Dionysus, I believe, back in the day. Uh, you know, in the Greek society, there was some of the gods practiced homosexuality, and then they had young boys as their consorts, and this was one of the consorts of Dionysus that Dionysus was very fond of. And Amphelos climbed a vine, and uh, a grapevine, one of Dionysus's grapevines, and fell and broke his neck, uh, which speaks to the kind of a sorcerer's apprentice type of energy. This is one of the things that Oscar Hoffman talks about too, sorcerer's apprentice energy, where we may be overestimating our power. We may be trying to collect something, but before it is ripened, before it is ready to be uh, collected. Um, And we have to kind of, uh, you know, think about what we are trying to gather. Um, Now, Brady's interpretation, speaks about collecting data, collecting information for v- Vindemiatrix, and, and, and really leans into the collecting aspect of it. So there's kind of three different, three different stories, three different opinions with that particular fixed star. So tell me what your experience is like when you, when you experience Mercury on this fixed star and, and how that story and that mythology is going to play out for you. Um, yeah, so moving forward... The Widowmaker—that's that's ominous, isn't it? That's not a nice one. Although I have seen this, I I, I have seen this play out in horary and in um, progressed charts. Another way you can work with fixed stars is to not just have them be present in your birth chart, but to look at where the planets are by, by secondary progressions or by solar return charts, because those planets on those prominent fixed stars will be themes for either what's going on in the background of your life with the secondary progression or with the year of your life with the solar return. So uh, definitely I've seen some things play out where people got divorced when a particular, you know, a, the ruler of their seventh house went over Vendemiatrix or something like that, um, or the moon did, like that is a, that has happened in the past. So uh, test it out on your own though and, and see if you can learn from experience with that. Um, Okay, the other thing, there's one more thing happening on Saturday, September the 12th. The sun moves into the third decan of Virgo. Here you can see this with the sun at 20 degrees of Virgo. So this is the 20 to 30 degrees section of Virgo. That happens at about 3.38 in the morning. Uh, it is hosted by Mercury, in, which is now an aversion to it, as we talked about in the Planetary Condition Report, because Mercury is in Libra. Um, the tarot card associated with this decan And we've broken this down uh, last week with with Mercury moving through this area, but we'll do it again here. We've got, excuse me, the Ten of Pentacles where we see an old man who is maybe reviewing his life. He's surrounded by wealth. This card was called Wealth. Uh, He's got his family. He's got his pets. Uh, He is uh, maybe preparing to shed that material form um, and figuring out what stays and what goes and, and the legacy that is going to be passed on to those that remain behind and the transition from material reality to spiritual reality. And that is that that's the transition that happens at the fall equinox at Libra season. So again, Mercury is destabilizing the energy and the, the dominance of the light, the, vi- the vital light and the darkness, the death. OK, so we're Virgo season is a transitionary period. It's, it's kind of saying saying, OK. What is, what are we going to hang on to and what are we going to get rid of as we, you know, dial things back for the fall and the winter and what's going to sustain us through those dark times? That's why there's this, this energy of we got to do something. We got to do something. We got to prepare, 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 because there's this inevitability uh, in our minds about the winter and awareness of that impending darkness and that impending death, that impending transition. Okay. Austin Kappa calls this deck in the sarcophagus, which is about what are we taking with us uh, in in death? What you know, like like the pharaohs that were buried with uh, treasures. Uh, the ancient Egyptians believed that those those particular items would help the pharaoh in their, their journey uh, through the afterlife. So this may be again what we are taking with us and what we are passing on as a legacy. The fixed stars Denebola and Alkis are part of this. Uh, decan at 21 and 23 degrees Virgo, respectively. Um, so the sun gives us an, uh, a gnosis. It shines its light on something. It gives us an awareness of something. So the awareness that we have when the sun is moving through the third decan of Virgo is the passing of time. Uh, we will gain vitality through processing and being able to uh, preserve what is sacred, what is eternal, and discard. What is spent? And this is kind of the preservation of the eternal soul versus discarding the body that has, has lived out its time, that has served its purpose, and now is moving on to the next stage of things. So again, everything has, uh, is, is subject to the, um, to the law of entropy on this material plane. And that's the law of, of time and decay. We can try to preserve some things and we, can, we definitely have to accept that other things are going to be just uh, given over to the ravages of time. And we're going to have awareness of, of the difference between those two things when the sun moves through the uh, third decade of Virgo. And, and we need to work with that. We're preparing for that judgment, reviewing our material processes that we initiated over the summer and re- reviewing our growth and figuring out what we're going to keep and what we're going to let go of. Um, the sun, according to Schmidt, has the quality of commanding action. And I think what we're commanding is our harvesting skills. And in the harvest, we, we have a, a, a very detailed uh, awareness of what is going to spoil and what would, would be worth hanging on to. So we've got to command those harvest skills at the end of Virgo season. All right, let's move forward to Sunday, the 13th. Okay, on Sunday, September 13th, the moon is going to be making an opposition to retrograde Saturn at 25 degrees of Cancer and Capricorn on the fixed star Procyon. So this may be again where we're Seeing something flame up and then maybe have a short lived success that meets the Saturnian brick wall at 3:36 3, 3, a.m. Uh, and then the moon will make a square to retrograde Mars at 28 Cancer and 28 Virgo uh, at 8:04 a.m. And then the moon will move into Leo at 11:32 a.m. This is continuing this last quarter phase. Um, two fixed star conjunctions. Um, First of all, the sun will conjoin the fixed star Denebola at 21 degrees of Virgo. Uh, And as I showed you last week, so we have the sun conjoining Denebola at 21 Virgo, and then Venus will be conjoining the fixed star uh, Acellus Borealis, the northern ass, at about 7 to 8 degrees of Leo. So I'll break those two things down in our star chart. Okay, and that will finish up our forecast here. So we are looking at the 13th, and what we see is Denebola. Here's the sun, and here's Denebola. Okay, Denebola is in the tail of the lion, and anytime we have a fixed star, I've been I've been really enjoying Oscar Oscar Hoffman's books, and he really emphasizes that fixed stars are all part of the mythology of the particular constellation they're a part of, and we really have to think about you know the body parts, whether it's a a mouth, whether it's a heart, whether it's a paw or a tail that can give us additional insight in the symbolism. Now this is the tail, this is and this is the tail of the lion, and the lion talks about ambition. This this lion is about Ruthless ambition and and desire to be an authority figure and to have power, we could see that really concentrated in the heart in Regulus, and we could see it you know maybe being really subject to like the whims when we have the stars of the mouth and of the mane, we may have difficulty riding on some kind of on the back of this lion with Zosma right where we have a fall from grace where nobody can ride the lion. It's going to buck you off and you're going to fall from that position. But in the tale, Denebola, this is where we may have a little bit of a bigger uh, viewpoint or a grander viewpoint and a more of a hierarchy type of, or like we're able to rise above and see it from a, a, a greater perspective, okay? Like a helicopter view, right? Um, and this speaks to being able to assert identity, sun and authority, but outside of the need for approval. Okay, like this is the, where the, you know, the lion is, is, has moved through the need to have everyone like them and says, I'm going to do this and I don't really care if you approve of it or not. So there's a, a quality of nonconformity. So creating identity through nonconformity, gaining vitality. Sun gives vitality. Gaining vitality th- through going against the grain. You know, this is the tail area. We may have pride in living an alternative lifestyle or thinking outside the box or living outside the box. Independence from the opinions of others, shining a light on the alternative or the odd, or having an awareness of those two things. Um, Again, furthest from the mouth of the lion, the desire for status or ambition. This may be where you're taking actions and saying, this is who I am and I don't care if it gives me power or ambition. That's Denebola. I have Saturn on Denebola, which is Interesting placement i 've had to live i 've had to go against the grain in a lot of uh, areas of my life and my partnerships in my the way I take care of myself and my daily routines that Saturn rules my seventh and my sixth house um, you know I, I tend to you know i don 't know i, I don 't super trust western medicine <laughs> like, so I do a lot of naturopathic type of things and take care of myself in that way um, you know, I'm I'm in a partnership with a with a someone a black partner, which so that's kind of going against the societal norms of the time when we first met. It's becoming more and more acceptable, but it's still like different, you know. So that's another way that that could play out. And I don't care if people approve or not. Love is love, and I love my partner. And anyone who gives me crap about that can go to hell. That's Denebola, Saturn on Denebola. So, you know. It's interesting to see how those things play out. Um, Let's see. Venus is going to be conjoining the fixed star Acellus Borealis at seven degrees of Leo. Now, let's see. That is the one of... I'm going to go back here. Here's Venus. Speaking of the planet of love, we've got Acellus Borealis right here. Now, these are the two, these are the asses. I love talking about the asses in the sky. Acellus borealis and Acellus australis, the northern and the southern ass. And uh, this is in the context of the constellation Cancer. Oh, boy. And I was reading about this in Oscar Hoffman's book and talked about Cancer. um, Being subject to going with the flow, Uh, you know, like, Cancer is about, according to Hoffman, the little distractions in life that, that pull us off our path. And remember, the path of the crab is like sideways, forward, backwards. And um, this is where, you know, we talk about one, fighting the crab was one of the labors of Hercules. And really what the crab was doing was distracting Hercules from the main fight, which is with the hydra. And the hydra represents desire to Hoffman. And when we cut off one of the heads of, of desire, another one appears. And this talks about the human journey of detachment. And he talks about that detachment from desire and, and kind of becoming more humane. Hercules was opposite like Orion. Orion was about all of the, the base desires, the hunter that wanted to kill everything. And the journey of Orion through the river Eurydantes is, is becoming that hero, becoming the, the more tamed uh, Hercules, where using rational judgment uh, and things of that nature. So detaching from those base desires and becoming more spiritual or more rational. And cancer, you know, this is some of the distractions. Um, so the little things that pull us off of our path. Uh, now, the the asses in astrology were the the donkeys that carried Dionysus across the um across a swamp or a bog he was he was fading in the heat of the sun and, and the donkeys carried him across the, the the i don't know the bog to safety and were rewarded by being put into the constellation here um now we can also look at this as some of the the donkeys or the uh, asses that were present at the manger there's another fixed star in here called I believe it's called Praesepe, that is said to be a pretty malefic fixed star because that's where Hercules crushed, crushed the, the crab. Um, and it's an empty manger. So there's, there's some, some interesting significations about it being a place where it's just, we expect some divinity, but it's, but it's empty. Um, and the interesting thing about Acellus Borealis is that donkeys were associated in Christian mythology with, with the devil and with de- desire. and We can see with like like Dionysus or with like the story of Jesus in the manger, um, this ability to be able to tame those desires and tame that evil, like it's subjugating material desires or subjugating um, this like, you know, I don't know, inner, uh, I don't know, darkness, okay? Uh, Animal nature, raw experience. so. Again with the Celis Borealis and Venus on this particular position, we may be able to to uh, it more likely that we're able to subjugate our very deep desires in our relationships uh, uh, in our desire nature um, in our quest to find identity we may be able to to ride the the uh, the, the donkey a little bit better now this is this is interesting because it's going to be also very shortly afterwards, conjoining Acellus australis, which is a little bit more negative, maybe a little bit more of a wilder one. If you've got one donkey that's a little bit more tame, and the other one that's just a real, a real jackass, <laughs> and maybe it's trying to buck you, you know, and that that particular fixed star was associated with like, unfair accusations with difficulties with natural disasters so you got one that is trying to carry you across to safety and the other that's trying to really just just distract you from getting there and you're having to work much harder to control that particular uh, animal okay so that's what we're experiencing with venus uh, at this particular area of the zodiac and that is what i've got for this particular week i'm looking ahead Looking ahead from the 14th to the 20th, on Monday the 14th, the sun will be making a trine to a retrograde Pluto at 22 degrees of Virgo and um, Capricorn. Um, Mercury will be conjoining the fixed star Algarab at 13 degrees of Libra. We'll talk about the constellation Corvus next week and its quest to be able to fill the divine cup of Apollo, but failing to do so because of its uh, distraction with some tasty figs, so... Uh, We'll we'll discuss that. On Tuesday, the 15th, uh, Venus makes a square to retrograde Uranus at 10 degrees of Leo and Taurus, respectively. Um, And Venus will be moving into the second decan of Leo. Talk about the Six of Wands. On Thursday, the 17th, Mercury makes a square to newly direct Jupiter at 17 degrees of Libra and Capricorn. And on that same day, we'll have a trine from the Sun to uh, Saturn retrograde, and a new moon at the similar degree, the same degree, uh, at 25 Virgo. So we have a new moon at 25 Virgo in the third decan trine Saturn. So we'll, we'll see what that brings. But again, remember what I talked about with uh, the third decan of uh, Virgo, really talking about an awareness of the passing of time and what stays and what goes. So that is going to be our new divine assignment next week. And then finally, on on Saturday, the 19th of September, Mercury will be moving into the third decan of Libra, and we'll talk about the four of swords. All right. I think that's what I've got for this week. I hope that you are all doing well. Um, Thank you so much for those of you who are supporting my work. I've got some some tips recently. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. It makes me so happy. And I really appreciate you. If you want to support the work that I do and continue to support these podcasts and videos, um, I do have some donation links, a PayPal me and a Venmo account. That is always appreciated and really helps me to free up my time. What you're doing is buying me time to do this research. And that is a, a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, and if you want to share in a non-monetary way, make sure you click subscribe and click share with your friends, and be sure to comment on the posts, and um, yeah, the other way that you can support my work is reaching out and, and uh, scheduling a reading. I've been doing a lot of readings lately, and it's been a lot of fun uh, breaking down these fixed star and deck-in positions for people in their own particular chart. Um, it's been really enlightening getting to work with these these clients, and and uh, it's one of the favorite parts of my, of my job. So reach out if you, if you want to set something up at spencermichelleastrology@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Okay, I think that's what I've got for you. Be kind to one another. Remember to take your time during this, this Mars retrograde cycle. Let go and let God, the, the divine has a plan and it may feel frustrating that you're not moving forward, but the course correction that you're being given right now is gonna let you move forward with freedom Uh, once it starts to move forward again in the middle of November. So just hang in there for now and be kind to one another. Do some exercise. Do all of your meditation techniques and all of those things that help you, uh, you know, release the steam valve on your anger. And uh, we'll get through this together. And um, I will see you the next time. Take care, everyone. Peace.